Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody, welcome back. It's not quite Vengeance Day yet, but it is Saturday. It's the best day of the week because you get to listen to Saturday Draft Live, the very first episode of Season 8, the Tag Team Season. And it's already been a very interesting weekend. It looks to get a whole lot more interesting tomorrow night at TakeOver Vengeance Day. A lot of big points up for grab. I'm one of your usual host, Scott McLeod, joined by my usual co-hosts and fellow past season winners. First off, Mr. David Hockney. Hello, Scott. Great to be back for another season. Uh, it's always good to be back. Jack? Hi, yeah. Happy to be here once once again for season eight for the one of the most unusual seasons with us all being tag teams this time round. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it's all going to unfold. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, unknown to be delved into. And we're going to dive into it as we usually do with our top three of the week. Uh, it's always interesting to see like who the top picks are the first week. And number three this week is Daniel Bryan, who's part of the Goat Tones, David Campbell and Ryan Gallagher's team. He's uh, actually the number one in the top five newcomers this season because it's been actually quite a while since he has been uh, since he's been picked with six points this week. Uh, Dave, we'll go to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird that Brian, it's been a while since Brian's been, been picked and... You know, he got a big win this week on SmackDown. He's in the, the mix for the Elimination Chamber. Why do you think Daniel Bryan hasn't been a top like priority the last couple of seasons? Um, well, obviously, I think he's announced that you know he's doing a much more of a part-time schedule now, and he's uh, he's also said he's going to be part of the SmackDown writing team. So maybe I've, maybe they thought he wouldn't appear as much uh, given recent seasons, but he has been appearing quite a lot lately. I think purely at the best of. You know, building new talent, you know, such as Nakamura and Cesaro, as you know, as a prime example. And but I think the, to make sure that he's heavily involved in these, and possibly the Universal Title picture, is definitely proving benefits for the Goat Tones at the minute. And but I think purely this is for the purpose of elevating new stars. You know, because if you look at the field in the Elimination Chamber now, you've got Cesaro, you've got Jey Uso, you've got Corbin, you've got Zayn, and there's. Um, there's plenty of opportunity to, to make new stars, and I think that's what Brian's there to do. So he's going to get a lot of exposure as a result, hence why he's probably in the top three this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, I'll ask you this. Uh, Brian does, has taken some losses, as Dave said, but now he's in the mix for the elimination chamber. Do you see Brian as a potential favourite uh, or somebody who could get uh, a big amount of points for David and Ryan come elimination chamber? Um, it's a it's a weird one. I don't I, I don't know how it's going to go. I didn't I didn't think it was going to go down the route that the winner of the chamber would face Roman Reigns like straight after the match. I didn't think it would be a Roman Reigns in elimination chamber match. So I just thought, oh, it's going to be a not not that it would gain uh, Gary Grant like any extra points on that matter. But I thought, oh, well, that's just a one and done type thing. They'll get their points and they'll go away. But it's. It's weird. I, I, I generally, I don't know how to call this. Maybe potential to get an elimination or two. I, 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 asking me right now, like even like draft aside, I generally don't know who's going to win that. I think there's a lot of directions it can go. Obviously, you could have Jay win and just have Roman beat him up again. 
Kurt <laughs> Owens one go down the same route. It's it's interesting to say the least. I'll be I'll be looking forward to see how it, how it, how it scores points by the elimination chamber. Mhm, mhm. It is a, a very interesting pick. Going to the number two in the top three, Dave. Back to you because he's a member of of your team. Mm-hmm. He is the AEW World Champion, Kenny Omega, with nine points. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a surprise to see him as one of the top three on a given week, but also this week he had that big match team with Kenta on AEW Dynamite against Moxley and Lance Archer. So I think this is a thing we can probably be used to seeing with Omega in the top three, especially given that he'll likely hold the belt through through Revolution. Yeah, that's what me and Robert were, were hoping for. You know, the Shaw Bank Redemption's made a wise choice in picking Kenny Omega as our team captain to start us off. Uh, because we had AEW Revolution in mind. And whatever way the title match goes, because it looks like you've got three potential challengers now. And I said on an earlier episode of Central, I think it was, it wouldn't surprise me if the title match at Revolution is a fatal four-way between these four guys. But I hope that Kenny comes out on top, you know, just continues to rack up the points. And... Yeah, I hope he get he continues to get more and more exposure as the weeks go on. Given that you know he's the he's AEW's top guy in this crossover to between AEW and Impact at the minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But if he does appear back in Impact uh, this season, he won't get any points for that, sadly. And it is a uh, good for you, to, you and Robert that you managed to to get Ken Omega, and mm. it was kind of midway through round two we thought. Uh, the EW World Champion would have been taken up, you know. They had Seda and Strack before you, but, you know, they started they, they take Dr. Buddy Greg to Baker instead, <laughs> and round two, instead of the EW World Champion, which I think was a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, it proved to be a big mistake in the long run. I was genuinely shocked that they didn't pick Kenny Omega in the second round, and, you know, we just sort of capitalised on that opportunity. It was, a, it was an absolute no-brainer to go for Kenny when he was still up for grabs. It, it felt like, like I gave me a bit of false hope because I thought Kenny had almost like slipped under the radar somehow, and then you bloody picked him. I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, you were a fair bit behind us anyway, so I doubt you'd have picked them anyway. Yeah, but moving on to the number one pick of uh, the the person me and Stephen did get at the end of round two, our captain. He's number one with thirteen points, and don't you dare be sour about that. It's Biggie who despite. Winning by disqualification and he's going to title defence to wins for a championship match are not stated whether or not it's by a clean win or by a DQ. A championship win is still a championship win in the rules of the draft. Uh, with 13 points, Biggie, still the Intercontinental champion. I'm obviously very happy with this. But, uh, Jack, do you think this is leading to eventually Apollo taking the belt from Biggie? And uh, should we see be very concerned about this? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm liking the, the, the character of Apollo right now it's, it's very good but I think Big E retaliated you know, that well just kind of calling him a bit of a whiny wee git you know what I mean he's like <laughs> had like three chances and he's failed uh, I think that it's a good way to keep the story going do I see Apollo being the one to take the belt off Big E no I, I, I don't maybe it'll be a match Elimination Chamber then Fastlane whatever it is but I, I don't see Apollo being the mad to take the belt off Big E, but I think you and Steven should be counting your lucky stars if what Big E said was true and every week there's going to be this intercontinental title open challenge and you'll be getting all these points. Yeah, I know. I hope that he gets a few in before Apollo Cruz answers them and hopefully he wins by TQ and those as well because it's still, like I said, still a championship win 
for us, you know, where I said on the draft selection show that he was not my top scorer last season. He probably should have been my captain then. And in the first week, he's uh, paid Devin. But uh, we all know when it comes to the draft, even a season like this, it's, not a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So that takes us over to the top, uh, well, usually a top 10, but it's technically the top six. Because also the tag team aspect of it. And Jack, you and Ross, bottom of uh, the first week with 14 now, like I said, it's a marathon and all that, but uh, is there any concern about uh, your placement yet, or are you just like, no, just give it a couple of weeks and we'll see how it goes? Um, I'm I'm going to say give it a couple of weeks and see how it goes. Uh, I think that in previous seasons with uh, Ross in particular, he has been one to uh, shoot his load too quick, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's usually kind of up the top of the table right in the gutter, and that's maybe a bit of Maybe a bit of humble pie for Jack and Ross being at the bottom to begin with, but we've got to look at it that uh, our number one pick didn't show up at all this week. Uh, Rhea Ripley, obviously, we were hedging our bets that she would, maybe, she would appear raw or smack down, whatever she's going to do. Maybe this will happen after Chamber, or if she go back to NXT, I don't know. So we'll need to keep a close eye on that and what to do. Uh, it's... I'm not not too worried. I would if I was to throw something out there. We we discussed for our round four pick where we'd go Cesaro or Nakamura. And we went Nakamura. Maybe we should have went Cesaro, but I, I I do feel that we've we've got quite a bit left in the tank. You know, it's only it's only week one. Uh, we've got Balor, our captain, and obviously we'll be talking about. Uh, what, what would happen with that and the, the, the pay-per-view that's coming up tomorrow night so that could get us a lot of points there Thatcher and Champa, we felt a bit oh, stabbed in the heart after losing the semi-finals in Dusty Cup so that was a bit of a bit of a sore one to take but you know we move on the priesthood do what the priesthood do best one week at a time <laughs> yeah you will have a, a big opportunity for points come Vengeance Day and we'll talk about that towards the end of the show uh, kind of both with 15 points there and Strack's team and the uh, and Gary and Grant's team as well with 15 I thought Gary and Grant would have been a bit higher especially with Drew uh, on their team uh, David Drew and Robert in third place mm-hmm. 17 points a Shawbank Redemption uh, are you happy with that uh, placement or do you hope to be a bit higher at the end of the first week um, that's kind of what we were expecting you know our team you know didn't look like the most threatening on paper but uh, overall I think I think that comes down to the fact that our team is very sort of Wednesday night heavy. You know, we've got a lot of AEW and NXT representation when we've only got one SmackDown and one Raw representative. But we made those picks in the hope, you know, over time, you know, because as you said, marathon, not a sprint. Over time, the momentum will start to build and they'll get a lot more exposure going forward. But our money is definitely on uh, hopefully getting big wins at AEW Revolution with Kenny Omega retaining, possibly the Young Bucks retaining as well, which would be magic. Uh, but also we've got Io Shirai defending the title against Tony Storm and Mercedes in the women's title match. So a big win for that would be huge. And Karrion Cross, you know, I think our prediction was, you know, he challenges Finn Balor at WrestleMania for the NXT title. So I think our team's a bit of a slow burner, but it's obviously off to a, a very, I wouldn't say a cautious start. I'd say more of a, uh, we, we're off on the right foot, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like you have a Wednesday heavy team, as you said, but you did have Bianca Belair as part of your team as well. She made she appeared on SmackDown, so that gave you a couple extra points mm-hmm. as well. She appeared um, on Raw as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, see, so I think 
much like Edge, she'll be appearing on the different brands before she officially makes her decision. Even though I think deep down we all know it's probably going to be her visage. It's still nice for her to be, like keep popping up, get you those mm-hmm. extra appearance points. And coming in second is the Goat Tones Ryan and David with twenty two points, and they they had uh, they were at the bottom of the table. Then they cleaned up, especially with their quite a few big players on SmackDown. You know, you had Bailey getting a win, you had Nia and Shayna making an appearance, taking front uh, Sasha and Bianca, and you had Daniel Bryan getting a win alongside Cesaro to earn a spot in the Elimination Chamber, so a good SmackDown for those two. But a team that also was very Wednesday night heavy uh, was myself and Stephen, who end up in number one, 31 points. And on mon- after Monday, we had like one point, and that was because Charlotte got herself bloody DQ'd. And we thought, oh, but, you know, let's not think too much. I know we're a very Wednesday night heavy team, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I don't think that Wednesday could have gone any better for us. Because you had Darby, <laughs> Darby retained the TNT title over Joey Janela. You had MSK defeating Legado del Fantasma to advance to the finals of the Dusty Classic. Uh, I had to thank you, Jack, for taking champions that Travers, because he's kind of saved us there. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you had Kishida, you know, getting involved with Austin Theory. And you also had Gonzalez making an appearance, so and also we thought, well, I mean, we've still got our captain Jeff here, and I thought Biggie would just make an appearance, maybe get into a segment with Apollo or something like that. But then I didn't realise he'd have a Aaron Cornell title defence, so I don't want to like get too far ahead of myself because you know, and still a make or break thing for me and Steven's team could be this Sunday at Vengeance Day because we have three matches that could really impact our team. Oh, I think you say. Very, very good that uh, Darby Allen successfully retained, but how, how long will be off after Team Taz dragged him away in a car? You know what I mean? Where's, 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 where's the boy gone? But uh, obviously, not this big E with your open challenges and whatnot. Uh, MSK, you've you've set yourself on a very good start here for the the, the two time winning team. Yeah, you guys think like MSK. A lot of people were saying. Um, the draft show, I think you may have said there that you thought there was a bit like a risk taking MSK when we still had people mm-hmm. like, like Jack said, the Raw and SmackDown tag champs were still available. Like, say you look at the week SmackDown, but the Brian and Cesaro easily beat the SmackDown tag champs to get into the chamber. So I think that was a, a wise decision to go again back to Wednesday for our tag team. Uh, it's, it's, I still find it weird that we don't have like the Raw and SmackDown tag team champions or the men's tag team champions in the draft this season it's it's it, I think it's quite telling how folk are thinking and strategizing for the points that the current the current tag teams is not ones to have faith in well I think it goes to the very booking of them though because like I had Cesaro and Nakamura as my tag team and they were really shafted for the season I had them so I'm quite uh, hesitant to really go back to the Raw Smackdown like tag champs you know unless it's like the Street Profits who seemed to do wonders for when uh, when Daniel had them, uh, you know, and also like Cedric and Shelton were good for for Dave, but they haven't actually done much uh, like from the start of this season. So I can see why nobody really would have went for them. So I think that's why everybody's uh, kind of hesitant with like tag wrestling. Whereas we've got like takeover to think about. We got uh, a revolution to talk about, and both EW and NXT have very like very filled like tag divisions and. Look at some of these people. You got to think like Elimination Chamber is like next Sunday, and you look at the the table. You you I think Gary and Grant they've got uh, Drew 
Uh, you could even though like Roman won't technically be championship points, it'll just be appearance if he appears with Heyman. Uh, Drew's probably going to retain the elimination chamber, and that's going to help. Yeah, and can't really shut up the table. And you know, I, I believe that there's also points for eliminations in the elimination chamber, much like uh, the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So there you go. You go. I think like David and uh, David and Ryan. If uh, Daniel Bryan doesn't win, but he just gets like a couple of eliminations before getting eliminated then that's still, like, very valuable. You know, I, I, for one, know the value of an elevation chamber. Just ask Shayna Baszler last year when she uh, ran through everybody. You got mad about her points, didn't you? Aye, uh, every, every chance something, something like that could happen. Uh, still think it's ridiculous that we're having two chamber matches. I don't know, I get this elevation chamber, the pay-per-view, but I don't think there was, don't think two is needed unless we're going to do, like, a man, a woman, we're getting two men's potential for a woman's probably know what will happen next week, but I will see. Yeah, I mean, I think they should, it should be a men's or women's. I think if they're going to do a men's, they should have just done the SmackDown. The SmackDown one seems more interesting to me, whereas on Raw, you could have just done Seamus versus Drew, and I think people would have been happy. Whereas, like, you've got people like Ripley, if she, if she ends up going to Raw, Charlotte, you've got Lacey, you got uh, Alexa Bliss, all these people who could potentially challenge uh, Asuka for the Raw Women's title, and so you got all these contenders in the Elimination Chamber, I thought that would be interesting, but uh, that seems to not be the way WWE is going with it. But we are going to go over to Dave now, you've got the, the Listeners League, uh, a very different way you're going to present it this season, because we've got a much larger pool than last time. Yeah, we've got uh, about just over three times as many people like uh, investing in our listeners league this time. It's a much, much bigger league to go through. And first, I want to thank all the, the people who've stepped forward to uh, take part in our listeners league as well. I think it's just made it even that more enjoyable. So what I'm going to do for this first week is I am going to just go through each member of the, the draft from bottom to top and... Uh, and then we'll go into our top five in a bit more detail just for this week. But we'll, we'll do a week-by-week week comparison of how the, the table's changing overall. So uh, starting from the bottom, we have Johnny Napier with Rick Steiner's Mouser. We have returning from last season, we have Colin Blackburn with Koshi's Warriors. We have friend of the show, John Isherwood from the core to the Nexus. We have Jonathan Swift, Team Swifty Suplexes Lee. Ollie Browning with The Cena The. What Stan a name, what a name, by the way. You, you think that's a team name? Wait to hear this one. Next, we have Dan Wood with I was told to draw a wrestler, so I drew McIntyre. <laughs> nah, nothing tops Ollie uh, Browning's team name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Dan's is my favourite so far, so I have to disagree with you, Jack. So uh, Next, we have Adam Morrison with The Network. We have Ross Brady with Milk Lemonade Sexual Chocolate. We have <laughs> Matthew Wilkinson with the B-plus players. Uh, from the SWN, we have Billy Strachan with Billy's No Mates. Uh, Michael Clottier with Broken in Half. Shane D with Shane's Super Spreaders. Returning from last season, we also have Gary Morris with Quizzy Rascals yet again. And then we have Adam Callier with Ross Kemp as a nice guy. We have Ross Cray <laughs> with uh, Billy Kayfabe. <laughs> you like that one, Jag? Oh, Ross Kemp, Ross Kemp as a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Ross Cray with Billy Kayfabe, which is, uh, that was actually quite clever as well. Uh, uh, also from last season, we have Alan Laurie with Jam Sandwich. Oh, sorry, beg your pardon. Peace and Jam. Yeah. Again from last season, Ryan Dalgleish with the People's Representatives. We also have uh, Lee McAteer with Stop the Steel Cage. 
And then we have BDK with team main event. But now we'll move into our top five now. So uh, in fifth place this week, we have JP with, you can't sleep with the light on, but you can sleep with a hard on. Like, oh God, I don't know what to make of that one. Some of these team names are pretty creative, not going to lie. So JP's team consists of the team of Heyman Reigns, uh, Bianca Belair, Big E, AJ Styles, Io Shirai, and Tony Storm. So a good mix of male and female competitors. Bianca Belair is his team captain. Uh, getting big points, obviously, from Big E uh, winning the inter- well, retaining the Intercontinental title this week, I should say. But he does have Io Shirai and Tony Storm uh, as two of his female picks, which would be quite interesting given uh, uh, Vengeance Day this weekend. But, you know, he's, he's done well for a good start. 24 points overall. Fourth place, we have Paul Benson with Lex Me Be Your Fantasy. So Paul Benson, uh, a new entry to, to this season, and he's uh, come out swinging. So he, his team is MJF and Jericho for his tag team. He also has Bianca Belair. Big E is his team captain from round two. He also has Bobby Lashley, Bailey, and Carrying Cross. So the, those three have been sort of a bit more, bit less featured compared to the, the other three. But Big E is his captain is what helped elevate him up into... Uh, into fourth place uh, I should say joint third actually because he shares uh, the same number of points so he's joint third uh, with Lyle Carr uh, with team name Ringrust also on 26 points so we'll just find his team here yep so his team involves the Young Bucks Bianca Belair Big E I'm sensing a trend here Damian Priest (laughs) Seth Rollins (laughs) and Darby Allin his team captain is Bianca Belair so Big E paying dividends for a lot of our top five scorers in the Listeners League this week, and obviously Damian Priest getting a lot of showing on Monday Night Raw this week, and Darby Allen retaining the TNT title. So uh, Lyle's also just off to a good start, as is Paul. But now we'll move into our top two, which actually share first place, both on 28 points. But I'll read them in the order I have them here. So for Thomas Fraser, uh, he here comes the money as his team, and he has MJF and Jericho, Bianca Belair, Kenny Omega, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, and Darby Allen. So quite a, an AEW-themed uh, team for him. Kenny Omega and Darby Allin obviously getting big wins. Bianca Belair is his team captain, and I think it's what the AEW uh, representation is what's helping him out. But Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Bryan was, in the, uh, was a big scorer this week, and I imagine Seth Rollins is going to be featured a lot. So keep an eye on Thomas Fraser. I think he's going to be one to watch this season. But uh, returning from last season, uh, it is Tom Brock. Uh, who's also in joint first with the the Hizzlegraft Vanguards, the the team of, thank you, so the team of MSK, Bianca Belair, Kenny Omega, Damian Priest, (laughs) Io Shirai, and Darby Allin. His team captain is also Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, very, very popular amongst the the Listener's League uh, competitors, but uh, Tom appears to have a very good mix of all shows, like, but he's picked like high, high scoring competitors too. Like Io Shirai, as we said, you know, is at Vengeance Day defending the women's title. We've got MSK as his NXT tag team. He's got representations from Raw, SmackDown, and two from AEW, both of which won this week. So Tom, you know, he might have might have had a bit of a rough season uh, last time around, but uh, I think he's he's learned from that and he's already off to a flying start. So here's hoping Tom can turn things around and get a a strong finish this season. So back to you, Scott. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, yeah, a quick look over the, the listeners' leagues. That I know where a lot of people were shocked when Heyman and Roman were taking his guy and Grant's tag team, but I think a lot of the listeners have, uh, have seen the genius in that as they seem to be the most popular 
uh, team amongst the listeners league. You know, you got one or two people who took who take like uh, MJF and Jericho or MSK or something like that. But yeah, mostly it seems to be Heyman and uh, Roman in the tie teams, and also Drew seems to be like the most popular in terms of captain. But you got a few people, much like Tom, who are taking Bianca Belair, and I think uh, Tom's been a bit smarter with his picks because you know he was near the bottom, he was at the bottom of the table for most of last season's listeners league, and now he starts off the first week uh, tied for first. And I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I know some people, <coughs> David Campbell, uh, don't like the listeners league. You know, they think also there's no strategy to it and everything. But I think uh, to play devil's advocate, you guys think certain teams look good on paper, and even though you're choosing from like people they've already been picked, you maybe say, oh, so and so's got this person this team. That seems like a good pick on paper. I'll pick them. But you never actually know if that's actually going to pay dividends. So I think there's slightly more strategy to the listeners lead than like, people would give credit for. I think Don Brock proves that because he was at the bottom the last week and now he's made some smarter choices and now look where he is at the start of the first week. I think the good thing that's going to happen in the listeners league is it's probably always going to be a near enough a different top five each time with how the, the teams have strategized and going on with different uh, perspectives and how they're going to get their points. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to how uh, Dave's going to be breaking this down every week and I'm looking forward to Hearing all the team names again, because they're really brilliant. Yeah, you gotta look at, look at most of the teams. There seems to be a current pattern kind of forming in that most of the teams, not all of them, but some of them have like one or two like Raw or SmackDown picks. Usually, that Raw SmackDown pick is their captain, and like so, like a Drew McIntyre or something like that. But there are a lot of Wednesday night heavy teams on uh, the Listeners League, and I think it goes back to what I said uh, at the selection show that you gotta think about how important the Wednesday night shows are going to be this season even though we are building to WrestleMania, because you got NXT with TakeOver, potentially the NXT title being defended at WrestleMania, then you got AEW Revolution, and obviously the fact that AEW don't do pay-per-views that often throughout the year, but when they do, you should have somebody who you think is going to get a big win on that pay-per-view. So I think, again, the idea of like going very well and heavy actually has proven evidence for a lot of people. I think well, Wednesday nights have potential to be good in the short term, compared to the long term potentially we'll just need to wait and see wait and find out as the the, the weeks go on for the boys <laughs> yeah and tomorrow we have NXT where Vengeance Day as I mentioned that we'll look at like who stands to really benefit from for Vengeance Day yeah Jack we'll go start with you because you guys have got Finn Balor taking on uh, Pete Dunne who nobody actually took a, a chance on in the draft but I think all the rumours are that it'll be Finn Balor representing NXT at WrestleMania. I, I think the main times you'll see Finn wrestling is probably here at TakeOver and maybe at WrestleMania because he, word is he's still suffering from a few injuries, like nagging injuries. But I still think this is a, a top like, opportunity for you and Ross to, to gain points and to claim back up that table. It was, a, it was a plan all along to take Balor. We don't think that uh, Pete Dunne is the one to take the NXT title off. Uh, Finn here so we're like right the plan is well I'll tell you what the plan is we're hoping that Rhea would have appeared by now right and that we were hoping that after the takeover would be able to switch our captain with Rhea not appearing yet and no clear sign that she'd be there at the chamber I'm going to be stupid to switch the captain and say yes we'll keep it on for next week see how it goes so that's the that's our kind of current plan where things are going uh, I think it's a surefire one that Balor's going to retain here. 
you know, potentially maybe a couple of bits backstage or something before the match. So a, and with him being our captain as well, I think there's a heavy good chance that we could get a fair amount of points come this match. I do think Finn is a, a solid choice, like second round pick, because I also like considered him for my team. Because uh, like you think in his first round, you think he kind of gets pushed aside for like the Rumble winners or people like Drew or people like that. So he's a smart choice to take right in round two. I think that's where he kind of should be. But uh, Dave, I'll get your thoughts on it. Do you, who do you think do you think Jack and Ross are uh, going to get in for an easy night points wise with Drew with, uh, with Finn Balor? Yeah, I think so. I think, as I said before, uh, I think it's going to be Balor versus Cross at Mania. So that's kind of why uh, we took Cross. Uh, but Balor, I think, you know, he's been doing well as NXT champion, you know, despite a couple of injuries here and there. But I'd put my, if I was a betting man, I'd put a strong bet on Balor retaining. Yeah, but uh, Dave, you've got your, your own issues with uh, a champion at TakeOver. You have mm-hmm. your eyes, you mentioned. I think that really puts a lot of doubt for people is the fact that it's, it's a triple threat you know, scenario. You've got Mercedes Martinez evolved, who nobody's drafted, but Gary and Gary and Grant have taken Tony Storm, who like, they're in third, so they could claim up with, with a Tony Storm retention. You know, Eo doesn't have to take the pin in this match. Uh, how are you feeling about this? How confident you say you are about Eo's chances? I think she's going to retain. I, I genuinely think, you know, she's been one of the best NXT Women's Champions they've had since probably Asuka or even Shayna Baszler. And I think, you know, she's had a lot of one-on-one matches lately, but I think a triple threat adds a bit more a bit more intrigue to it, a bit more of an extra challenge for her. But I can see maybe Tony and Mercedes actually end up clashing with each other. And this, as a result, will, is what costs them. And then EO can take advantage of it. Because uh, come WrestleMania weekend... I think Eo could potentially drop it to Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think you I'd lean more towards you retaining this time around, but come Mania season, I won't be so sure. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on Eo Shirai? Would you be a better man? There are a lot of like, hmm, when Dave and, uh, Ra- Dave and Robert took her at the selection show. Um. I, I don't think it was a, a bad decision not to take her. And obviously, taking a champion is always a kind of strategical move. But the, the the triple threat scenario does have me a bit worried as to what what might happen. I do think that this match itself, I feel that there's there's not been that much to it, especially given in Takeo uh, Wednesday there. That like I don't think she appeared. I think it's just a a backstage like a, a video segment thing so like I, there's not there was I don't feel there's a lot hype for this match which may make you think that she'll retain it's just a, a stopgap thing but I I I do I do fear that she might lose the title tomorrow night I think if she if she does retain then like her days are still numbered maybe it's uh, Gonzalez or maybe she faces one of these two in a singles match and they can use that like Whoever doesn't get pinned, he pins one and then doesn't pin the other. And the other, the one who didn't get pinned can say, like, well, I deserve a one-on-one match. I would have won if it was one-on-one. Uh, yeah or no, but I do think, I would say about Finn Balor, I, would, I think he's definitely retaining tomorrow. I'm not so sure about the picks that, ones that my picks are in because, you know, I got Kishida taking on Joey Gargano for the North American title. got MSK and the Dusty Classic Final against the Grizzled Young Veterans. And 
uh, Gonzalez. Uh, I've got her as a singles pick, but teaming with uh, Dakota Kai against Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Now, I'm really hanging my hat on one of these Dusty Classics kept going me and Steven's way. I don't think we're going to win both of them. And the thing I'm thinking here is that there's a chance that they want to go maybe babyface win for one and heel for the other. But like, if they go babyface for the uh, the male one, that means MSK win. But then heel, that means that Gonzalez and Catty have a chance in the other one. But they decided to flip it around and have the faces win in the, the women's classic and the heels win in the male classic. That means Stephen get bugger all. Mm. See, that's what I'm thinking. I think because Nia and Shayna are obviously the women's tag team champions, I reckon that Ember and Shotzi might actually have a shot at this because my original prediction was Dakota and Raquel to win this. But now I'm thinking if they're going to do a face v heel for the women's tag titles, then logic would dictate that Shotzi and Ember would win this. And if we're going to do the heel-face split between the tag team classic winners, that would imply that Grizzled Young Vets might actually win the men's one. But can I see them going up against uh, Lorcan and Birch, though? It, it seems a bit... I mean, sure, they deserve a tag title match, but against Lorcan and Birch, I'm not entirely sure. Because I think MSK would be a more natural challenger, having the whole face-heel dynamic. But you never know, it could go either way. See, that's, that's part of the reason I didn't pick Grizzled Young Vets, because even though a lot of people saw him as, saw him as a favourite, I think with MSK, it would make more sense from a face-heel dynamic to face Lorcan and Birch. You know, I mean, they, they may not win, but it makes more sense from a dynamic purpose. And really, with, with Grizzled Young Vets, it kind of benefits them, because like, they've lost two finals in a row, but it gives Zach Gibson more a shout and ball about it and see how they are, they've been robbed. And maybe if MSK do win, that does mean that uh, Grizzled Young Vets can't win the tag titles from them down the line. Because I do think they'll be... I think after they lost to the Brozoweights, they were meant to feud with them for the titles down the line. But obviously, things didn't go that way because of the bloody pandemic and everything. So they could try and do what they wanted to do last year, uh, this year, and have them challenge the, the winners afterwards. But I think you'll say MSK were a bit of a, a risk. You know, they finally they managed to make it, you know, defend. I don't know if I'm more or less confident with them going against Grizzled Young Vets because if they were going up against Champion Thatcher, I would have thought, like, there's no way MSK are winning. I thought... I, I kind of thought, like, oh, I'll be happy to see them in the finals, but I thought if Champ and Thatcher were on the other side, they probably were going to lose. I'm, I'm very surprised that Thatcher and Champ is not not in this. I get that, obviously, Grizzled Jug Vets, they, they, are, they are good. And I think they were, they, were in it, they were in the finals last year, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, uh, it's, um, I, I get why, I get why, but... With the story that was going on with Thatcher and Champa, that's what me and Ross were talking about. We thought this was the, the way it was going to go. I think that obviously MSK just came into NXT and we're thinking, oh, we could take them because they might win the Dusty Cup. But thinking about it, we're like, they've only just came into NXT and they're going to have them straight off the bat winning the yeah. Dusty Cup. Is that is that what they're going to do? So we're like, no, if they go Thatcher and Champa, this, is, this provides a good new dynamic and Something that would probably be very good for Thatcher and Champa as a tag teams at home to win the thing and go and challenge the titles and whatnot, so you get a good match out of that with Birch and Larkin, you know what I mean? But um, it's it's interesting. I had to head my bet one way. I still think it's it's not not that it's too early. So MSK are a very good tag team, but I don't see the. I I would be pretty miffed if. MSK just came into NXT and then won the full tournament within a month. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that 
it's got to be grounds young veterans here. People will say, oh, it's got to be the parents of the Catalyst too. I mean, there are a lot of great teams that are looked at as one of the best in NXT, but like competing in Dusty Classic and didn't win. You know, the Revival were one of the best NXT teams. They never won a Dusty Classic. American Alpha never won the Dusty Classic. You know, I know they say, oh, it's not for tag teams, which is why it's so strange to see actual tag teams in the final. So, like, we're, we're just we're making these predictions based on, like, the idea of, like, oh, they might want to be steel dynamic for this one and then this and for this one. We have no idea how they want to go with this. It seems like they're kind of going all in on MSK since they've gone in. I think that could then serve for later feud with Grizzly Young, but it's the idea, like, you guys have just walked in here to take opportunity and, like, we've had to work for everything. So that, but something I'm even more uncertain about is Kishida's chances against Johnny Gargano because he seems to have had his number at every turn. You know, he got Gargano trying to weasel his way out of it by claiming he's injured uh, in NXT. And like he celebrated breaking the curse like he won a gold medal despite the fact he just beat Leon Ruff in a title match. So I think the fact how heavy he's going in on the fact that oh, the curse is broken makes you think that like he's so confident now that he's retained one that that could lead to his downfall here. And they've been really building Kishida back up since he came in, you know, because he got a very dominant one over Velveteen Dream at TakeOver 31. So that, and he's really been due a title opportunity, I think, for a, a long time. And people say, no, but not yet, not yet. I don't think it's time yet, like, yeah, but he's been around in XE for more than, what, I think he's coming up in nearly two years, I think, because it feels like, I think maybe sometime in 2019 he came in. So he's almost two years and he's not won a title yet. So, like, if not now, mm. when? Yeah, because he, um, he did appear at uh, Shug's House Party in 2019. I think that was just a few months after he joined NXT. Yeah, because he was being hyped up as, as NXT's Kushida coming in. Because I think it was part of the deal of ICW had that relationship with NXT and WWE. So... You know, he, he had him in 2020, there was a chance of somebody making him cruiserweight champion, but they said he did not to go that direction. And so I think this is probably a better suit for him. You know, it doesn't mean he has to have a long reign with it, but like, I think he just needs to like have a moment where he holds the title because they made a big deal about Kushida coming in. I know there was a point where he got injured in that, but like, they really need to capitalise on sooner or later. I'll be, be interested I don't think this is the end of the feud. I, I think Organo will win, and I think it will still continue. So, will you get your points on Sunday? Maybe not, but will you get points down the line for potentially winning it at some point? I can maybe see it. You know, like, part of the reason I said that I was so, I was kind of hedging my bets on the one of the Dusty Classics, at least because I think we have a better chance of winning one of those, and that's just like a pay per view win. Whereas, even though like Kushida win would mean pay per view like title win points. I'm still like less confident because also there's a room for shenanigans with uh, the way getting involved, but then also they can have this weird thing with Dex Loomis. I don't know if that's over yet, so he could get involved to kind of chase the way away. Especially <laughs> that two teams fast the way away, but so like there's all sorts of things that could happen with takeover. You know, I think that's what always makes it interesting. Like with the idea of like doing sweeps and doing like the draft, it makes these residences a lot more like interesting in for because you're actually you're properly invested. And the outcome, even if you haven't really been watching the last couple of weeks of, of TV. And talking about predictions, we are not going to be involved in the predictions because we've got a very special uh, four-way predictions contest coming at NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, where it'll be the four people who tied at the Royal Rumble sweep. as Graham McRobbie, Stephen Wilson, Sarah and Strack all going head-to-head, head-to-head-to-head to, head to, head to, head to determine the new... Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat Champion 
And, you know, hopefully there's a definitive winner because, you know, I, I have a draft opportunity to, to take advantage of very soon. And I want to get your guys' like prediction if you have a, any thoughts on who you think could come out on top of that four-way, you know. I mean, I would be biased and say Stephen Wilson as he's my draft and be like, I actually kind of, part of me doesn't want Stephen to win because I don't want anything to come <laughs> between us. I don't want anything to come between us. I don't want us having to face off of the title to affect our, our partnership going forward, you know. We have to remain we have to remain a unit, which also has me thinking, what's going to happen to Sarah and Strack's relationship with the partnership if they have to go head-to-head as part of this four-way for the, the title, you know. So, in a way, part of me is kind of saying, I want Grant McRobbie to win because, you know, East meets West partner. I know we and him have a, a bit of an understanding. I, I think it's going to be Sarah or Grant. I think they are, you know, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I just, I, for some reason, I've just got in my head that I'm discounting Stephen from the start. Um, I think Strax, too, is, is obviously right into his AEW. I don't know how he'll fare, but Sarah and Grant, they, they like their NXT. They, they know what they're talking about when it comes to that. So I think that's your, your tail of two halves for that one. Yeah, I I'd be leaning more towards Sarah on this one. Like she's she knows NXT pretty damn well, and I know how much she's invested in NXT as well. So if I was to, I mean, it could go either way, definitely, because obviously you know Stephen's been great at these sweeps before. Grant might just surprise you as well, Strack, but because they know they're into like you know the more of the Wednesday night show, but purely because I think NXT is more her more her game, I think Sarah might be walking away with it. Yeah, I mean, Drake is very NXT as well. He's heavily stopped in the past, but he's disappointed with NXT courts in the past. And that's so like, but it depends how much of NXT currently he's been keeping up with Sarah. We've seen in the past, the NXT quiz, she kind of stormed that quiz. So she definitely knows stuff when it comes to NXT. And I know Stephen has his, his history in the past, you know. Uh, like you said, like it is, very nice to have like this very unpredictable like prediction these could go like either way. Um that and we all have like a preview show for NXT Takeover Vengeance Day tomorrow with Ross McLeod hosting featuring these four uh, participants in the predictions contest. Uh we will then give the predictions and run down the card tomorrow uh, afternoon, right before the show. It should be like sometime early afternoon keep to keep and keep up with our social media to kind of check out when you can uh, see that uh, when it goes live it would be interesting if Sarah won this and I had to cash in my opportunity against her because I cast in my season 4 opportunity against Sarah so it became kind of interesting for both my opportunities to be against Sarah for the title you know, that history that's, there that's, that, that's, a, that's a, a movie trilogy in itself isn't it <laughs> mm. I know the cash in the draft and then the other draft <laughs> You know, I I still I'm te- I say I'm over it, but I'm technically or not. You know, I mean, this is this is te- this will be my vengeance day. Oh, I start giving a speech like the president. I'm going to give a speech like the president at the end of Independence Day, but say vengeance day instead of independence. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all we have for Saturday Night Fly this week, the first episode of the new season. Thank you for keeping with us. Like I said, stay tuned to our social media channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retreat, or our Suplex Retreat community page. That's where you'll, uh, that's where the preview show tomorrow with Ross and the four takeover participants are, should be going up, running down the card, making their predictions. Let us know who you think 
will come out on top of that particular four-way. Also on Sunday, uh, right about the evening, right at 6pm, if you're looking for something to listen to while you're going about your, your evening, wait for takeaway start, brand new episode of East Meets West will be going up with myself and the aforementioned Grant McRobbie. One of the uh, more fun episodes I think we've done recently. Uh, it's a good time to figure out everything that happened in New Japan's New Beginning Tour. And make sure to check out that and past, past episodes of East Meets West and Saturday Live and all our other content in the back catalogue on all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your preferred podcasting platform is. We've got feature shows coming out. We've got one that just went up looking back at TakeOver Rival six years on. We've got this Tuesday we have a show about the Legion of Doom coming out, which shows about Glow, the final year of WCW, and all all sorts. I think we've got a show about Edge coming out soon, which Jack will be hosting. I'm sure he's very excited about that. Oh, I'm buzzing. Oh, I'm buzzing. I can't wait. And we, and we made this show, we planned that show before Edge even announced himself being in the Rumble, so how topical that show has just become. I know, it's, it's going to be, oh, be great. It's going to be an absolute love fest for Edge. I'm buzzing. And, that's where we can see them, Jack. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, we've got so much more coming. We've got send, episodes of Central where we're all the latest news and everything else going on. And also Quiz Showdown, our series on YouTube. Uh, tonight, at the time we're recording, uh, the latest episode is being recorded. It's Quiz Showdown 8, Legends of Wrestling. And that should hopefully be out in the coming weeks. But if you haven't checked it out already, take out the past episodes on our YouTube channel, like the most recent one, the Royal Rumble Quiz Edition. And also the latest book it with our very own David Hockney taking on my brother Ross in the semi-finals in a in a hotly contested match. Uh, uh, yes, it's um it's going to be an interesting one to say the least. It's uh you know we're booking uh, our very own tag team classic, and you know if I thought the match against Ryan was tough, like this one was even harder. Mm-hmm. Comes down to the wire. There's some arguing, some questions over the goat's decision making. But, you know, who will come out on top? I won't spoil it for you. Uh, so the winner of that will go on to face the winner of Stephen Wilson versus Strick. Uh, that should be coming out very soon as well. Again, stay tuned our social media. We'll let you know when that's coming out as well as everything else. But we've talked for quite a while. We've, I've plugged myself still with everything else we've got going on. Uh, thank you to everyone. Listening. Thank you to my co-hosts, Jack and Dave. Thank you. Thank you. thank you. And we hope you very much enjoy TakeOver Vengeance too. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.